if he has fear that he might not be a good father, that, you know, because of his upbringing or whatever is from his past, I mean, yes, history repeats itself, but also there are many, many times, in fact, probably just as many times where people are more loving parents yeah. because of what Even they better parents. Yeah. Right. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Lainey Louie, talk show host and entertainment reporter. I'm also the editor of LaineyGossip.com and I am a BTS Yeah, you are. I'm Sasha Tong. I am a producer at an entertainment show here in Canada. I'm also a fashion and beauty columnist on LainyGossip.com. And I am not a big BTS fan. But this is What's Your Drama, where we gossip about you. Okay, so one of my biggest pet peeves, I think you know, is when people talk about their dreams, right? You know that about me, right? I fucking hate it when people are like, (laughs) oh my God, I have to tell you about my dreams. Like, no one fucking cares. I want to tell you about my dream, (laughs) which is, okay, no, but I won't go into, don't roll your eyes. See my face because I know. I don't want to know about your dream. No, but, but, can I tell you about my dream? Um, no, because (laughs) I don't want, but I feel like this will be interesting to you because I want you to A, um, it's about poo, which you love. You love talking oh, okay. about poo. Okay, okay, okay. Um, but I also would love you to armchair dream therapy me because I was high one day and I was up in the bathroom going pee and I was like, oh my God, why have I never like come to terms with the fact that I have like a reoccurring dream? Like I would say once a month, it's this reoccurring dream that I always have. And it's me trying to take a shit in a public place, like a stall, but I can never get to like a place where I feel comfortable. No, it's a fucking nightmare. So this happens all the time whereby I'm in a stall and like all of a sudden, like there's no doors or whatever. So you can just see my head from above and I'm trying to take a shit and I can't do it because it's like everyone's walking past or I go to these stalls and they're really dirty. And so I can't take a shit there, but I'm desperate to take a shit. Like I have- Why why are you burdening me with this? This is so, like I now I have to picture this. Fuck you. But I'm no, but the picture is I'm not going poo because I cannot, but I'm going yeah. to all these stalls oh. and yeah, they're just the not. Stalls. I'm picking yes. the stalls. And the oh. stalls are disgusting sometimes. Gross. They, As I said, they have no walls or doors. Oh. What do you think that actually means? And I'm hoping that I'm actually just really bringing this up so that there is some like dream person who's listening to this who's like, let me tell you. <laughs> but what would you say that is all about? I think you have a blockage in your life. A shit, like toxic stuff. I think that there is something. Yeah, I think that if there, if, if there is, if dream analysis is a legit thing. Yeah. The symbolism of you not being able to shit because there's all these obstacles and literally it's blocking you from expressing your excrement. um, It means that there's. Like it symbolizes something in your life that is blocking you from achieving true release. Oh, see, this is good. All right. 
So that might be what it is. But I, I, it is like really crazy that this happens all the time. And I'm talking about for years I've had this dream. Anyway, that so was it. Let me I, ask I don't, you. Mm. I need more details. When you're dreaming this, yes. do you actually feel like twirling? No. No. <laughs> Okay. So I don't wait. I don't wake up from the dream and go, "Oh fuck!" You know what? I actually do have to take a dump. No, that's not what's happening. Like I don't have to push a poo back into my body whilst dreaming. So it's not that. It's not like I'm full. It's none of that. It's but it's uh, like a need to release poo out of my body, and I cannot do it because there are too many people, or the situation and environment is not ideal. Okay, so, so what you need to do is identify the thing in your life that you wanted to achieve and what are the obstacles in your way preventing that from happening. Okay. I was ta- thinking is, more yeah. you don't think it could just be like I need to let go of some toxic things in my life, but I'm just holding on to it. That too. I mean, it's one and the same, isn't it? Because I don't know. I'm trying to get to over like- something. I need to unblock yeah something. Correct. Correct. Okay. What is that? Okay. Is it me? Is it me? Well, I feel like that might be <laughs> where we're at. This might be our last podcast. <laughs> anyway, I thought you would enjoy that because um, poo is your favorite topic. Poo is not my favorite topic, but it's your favorite topic. So. I'm fucking fascinated with my poo right now. You always are. I know, but especially now because I, I've been eating, I've been eating a lot of vegetables lately and um like more than I ever have in my life. <clears throat> Try and drop a little bit of weight. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the greenness of my shit is spectacular. It's green? Oh, yeah. Because I'm eating something like… So much foliage. So much. Okay. That like all my shits for the last two weeks, 10 days, whatever, have been like green to the point of… Like, it's really pretty. Oh, okay. Like a little, put that in a fucking vase. It's like, <laughs> like a bouquet of flowers. Like, because you know, toilet paper is so white. So it's such a pure representation of color. Okay. See, this is gross for me. I'm good. Maybe we should get to questions now. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Thank you, though. You started it. Um, okay. All right. Let's get to questions. Uh, first question. Hey, Sasha and Lainey, I'm hoping you give me some advice on how to handle a, situa- um, a situation with one of my best friends, Molly. Molly, Annie, and I, names have been changed, have been friends since high school. Best friends. We've always had a great friendship and love to hang out all the time. That was until Molly got a new boyfriend. Every time Molly starts seeing a new guy, she completely stops answering our group messages or making any effort to see us. It's like she becomes so consumed and dependent on whatever guy she's seeing at the time that we are no longer a priority. Annie and I have discussed our frustrations many times, just the two of us, and have even brought it up with Molly in the past, but she always gets defensive or brushes it off as untrue. She likes to use the excuse that, quote, I'm just not on my phone much, so I don't see your messages. But then when the three of us do hang, she's constantly on her phone, likely messaging her boyfriend. This makes it even more frustrating because we know she's probably seeing our group messages and just choosing not to answer. We're in our early 20s, and this has been a pattern for her since high school. As soon as the relationship ends and she goes 
um, sorry, as soon as she, as the relationship ends, she goes back to messaging, messaging us 24 seven and wanting to hang out all the time, but it's getting harder and harder for us to be her on-demand best friends that she only cares about when she's single. Annie and I have gotten a lot closer through the pandemic and have really been there for each other through the continuous lockdowns. We live in Toronto too, but Molly got a new boyfriend in June, 2020. So she really hasn't been a part of that support system. I can feel us starting to drift from her a bit, and I don't even think she realizes, so I'm torn as to whether I should continue trying to keep her involved and a part of our friend group, or if I should just leave it up to her to put in effort and fight for us. What do you think? Molly is one of my best friends for so long, and I want her to be in my life, but this endless cycle is just exhausting. Any advice is appreciated. You can make up a name for me if you'd like. C. Okay, so Molly, Annie, and the person writing is C. Give C a name. I was going to say Carla, but Carla can be with a C, right? Sure. Carla, yeah. Carla with okay. a C. All right, Carla. So what do you think? I mean, listen, I think you and I have both been there. I might have been this person, the Molly. I might have been Molly when I was like yeah. in yeah, like in my early 20s. Sorry, they're in their 30s now though, right? Early 20s. Oh, still so early- right in the sweet spot oh, of this when is... we're all that. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is what happens, yeah. Carla. I know this is frustrating because we've all had friends mm-hmm. who have done this mm-hmm. and it is exhausting. Or have been the person who's totally, done it. totally. Yeah. It's exhausting and it's insulting <laughs> um, and it's fucking annoying. But I think um, something that w- when you were reading it, um, Lainey, I was thinking about like I- I've been Carla and what's the other person's friend? Annie. Annie. I've been Carla and Annie before. And what I've done in the past, which I think is actually quite shit is I've um, fostered that friendship and then and then gossiped about the Mollies mm-hmm. and have made it harder for Molly to come back into the friendship because we've gossiped about Molly and we've like we've we've grown tighter because Molly has drifted. I've done that because I want to almost spite the person to be like, well, you're fucking missing out, bitch. Like yeah. you chose your man and now you don't get to be what me and uh, whatever, you know? So I just want before Carla gets ahead of herself and like, and, and somehow creates more distance between her and Molly, I would just sort of like think about what I've just said and see if that's what you're doing too, right? Like to kind of mean girl Molly out of it because Molly's like in love and has ditched you guys. I get that. But if you can remain like balanced and like, and fair in this time, then it'll be easier when Molly gets out of this love haze and wants to be friends again. I, I just want to play that devil's advocate here because I've been Carla and I just know that it's kind of, it's just sort of like a really negative place to be. Like you miss yeah. your friend, but then you also like fucking stick out your hand for more distance because you're hurt too. And so you yeah. want to hurt a little bit back. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I agree. And I really like the way you're putting that because when you're saying you're hurt too and you're you're putting that distance back, the thing with the thing, the difference there is that Carla in putting the distance, it's like actively and consciously deliberate. Yes. Whereas Molly is definitely hurting you, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's intentional. You're right. Yeah. Now, of course, we've all been talking about intention versus impact. Like people don't have to mean things to hurt Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. And that's true. And Mm -hmm. that's valid. And so Carla and Annie definitely have a valid reason to be disappointed, to 
to miss their friend, to Mm -hmm. be hurt. But then as you're saying, like, you know, actively punishing her is another level of unproductiveness. Totally. Um, you know, I'll talk from the perspective of I've been, um, I've been, uh, Carla, like yep. you, like we yep. all have the friend who you're yes. like, oh, right, here we go. Six months. Yeah. See you later. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and like more and more, you kind of get used to it. Like at the beginning, you're like, ah, and then I don't know, after two or three years of it, you're like, oh yeah. Okay. See you in six months. Whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, but I've also been the Molly. Now I can't say why this Molly is, does this with boyfriends, but I can talk about why I did yeah, it tell with me. boyfriends. And at the time, it was a, like there was probably a healthy amount of insecurity there, right? Mm. You know, there's love haze for sure and almost intoxication. Like, you know, you can't stop it. Yeah. That's why they make movies and write totally. books about this. When you <laughs> fall in love, it is all consuming. Totally. So there's, it's almost, it's, and I think that that's why, um, and to a certain extent, I think we buy into that because either we've all felt it or we've all witnessed it. it you're almost powerless against it. You yeah. Know? Love yeah. is the, love is a drug, right? Totally. So that's number one. But then, you know, also in my case, like when I was probably at the height of my molliness was, um, I would say early in the university years. Mm. You know, it pretty much stopped after university, I would say, or it's, I started getting out of it. Right. But, um, and, you know, there's a little, and so in this age range, there's a little bit of insecurity. You want to hold on to something, you want to, and so uh, that's part of growth as a person. Um, so for Carla, like our, the dilemma here is what do you do? What, what advice do we give to Carla? I think I don't know if I have any advice in terms of here's what you should do. I think our advice here is just looking at the situation the way that we've described it and trying to be a, like understanding in all the directions. Yeah. And I think the thing, though, that Carla might have um, some legs to stand on here is that this seemingly has been a pattern with Molly. You know, when you were in the height of like your blissed out love in university, it was probably like your first time that you felt love, right? And when that happens, it's like fucking hook, line, and sinker. Like you're done. Like bye, never see you again. You like come out when it's like summer again or whatever, right? You hibernate. Um, But seemingly this has been a pattern for Molly even before this last relationship or sorry, before this current relationship. So I wonder if she, if Carla is like, you know, means what she says in this letter, which is she misses her friend. She wants her friend to come back. She's annoyed by this behavior. Then I think it's okay to like call that out and just be like, I miss you. And I just want you to know that like, it's been really hard to have this friendship with you because um, you're like vacant. You're never around. And this has just been a pattern. You seem to choose people seem like you seem to choose your boyfriends over me and over friendship. I'm not asking you to like be with me and be staple to me, but I'm going to need you to check in more often. And by check in, I mean, answer my texts or like come out and hang out with us. Like, I feel like you're allowed to say that because if you don't say that, then like more and more bullshit just starts to like fall into the the friendship. So I don't think there's Mm -hmm. any harm in just like letting her know how you feel and being honest with the fact that you feel like she's dropped the ball. Mm-hmm. especially when she's in relationships. What what Molly does with that, that's up to her. But well, I think Carla you can flag she got that. defensive about it. Carla said she got defensive about it. But I think that, you know, what you said, the key there, Sash, was to communicate it with vulnerability. Yeah. I miss you and yeah. I need you. 
Yeah. Um, and can you just check in with me? Mm-hmm. Like if you, so if you sort of reframe it, not as you aren't answering my texts, you are doing this yeah. and put it on you being like, I miss you. Yeah. I need you. Yeah. I want to hear from you. I want you to check in. Yeah. Um, if you make those I statements instead of you statements, I think it may be received differently because then you're talking about your feelings and not her actions. Totally. Yeah. I feel like you might get results if you do it that way. So keep yeah. us posted. Keep us posted. But also, I mean, I'm sure lots of people listening to this will like be, you know, be quite familiar with the situation. Oh Early my God. 20s. I mean, that is. This yeah. is what happens. Not to minimize <laughs> it, but it's almost like a, you know, a right. It's a right of passage. Yeah. It totally is. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash boast. Um, I'll try to make this short and sweet. Oh, and they did. How do you handle friends and family members who are not at all aligned with what you stand for? I think we can all relate to the fact that this past year has really brought out the true colors of people. For example, I have friends who I found out are diehard Trump supporters, family members who think COVID has all been bullshit, in-laws who make racist remarks, my own mother sending me garbage that spews misinformation regarding the vaccine. Overall, I just feel like I've lost respect for people around me regarding so many of the issues we've been confronted with. I've also lost hope in their intelligence, their ability to empathize and be critical thinkers. Don't get me wrong. I'm a firm believer that in order to change people's minds, we have to have conversation and try to not come from a judgmental place. But holy hell, I'm losing patience. (laughs) I just feel ick about these people and go back and forth between wanting to put effort into them and also wanting to ax them for being so ignorant. Do you have people like this in your life? What do you do about it? Thanks for your take, Hadley. Thanks, Hadley. And I, again, another question. I do not think that this is unique. I think a lot no. of people are probably living with this reality right now. Okay, what do you think, Sash? Well, I feel like this has been the year of reckoning. I feel like we've actually touched upon this a little bit in podcasts before, which is like, this has been a devastating time, but oh my God, has it ever opened my eyes to... Uh, just the people that surround me. And it's actually been like, whatever, like I hate saying this, but it has been a blessing in a way because I'm like, oh, I see you now. Oh, okay. Like, that's what you think. Like, it's been really great to be like, I will not forget this. This is your stance. I am glad that I know this now because I will no longer interact with you. So while it's been very disappointing, it's also been super liberating. And thankfully, like I don't have any of my close friends that I'm cutting off. But there are definitely people um, that I considered, whatever, like acquaintancy, friends, sort of, um, that I um, no longer see um, eye to eye with. And so it's been, it's been, it's like alarming, but I'm also just really happy about it. it does it complicate it more when it's like your family members? Yes, but um, I feel like everybody's been in this situation. I feel like everybody's had like a close friend 
friend or family member that has like showed their true colors in this last year. Okay. I get it. But as you said, luckily it hasn't been someone super close with you, but for Hadley, it's Mm -hmm. in-laws, it's Mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. Well, I was wanting you to touch upon this because you've talked about the past, like sometimes your, your parents have gotten some like suspect information from Facebook or wherever. And so like, I feel like you're the best to talk about what you do with your parents that way because you've helped them kind of see the light too, right? With some misinformation. Not lots of things. Like, you know, <laughs> they're still crazy about, yeah. um, you know, they're still like, I mean, WhatsApp is nuts. Whatever, yeah. you know, certain Chinese community people are sharing on WhatsApp is like mm-hmm. bonkers. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm lucky in that my parents, especially my ma, like really, really believes in me. And yeah. so when I yell at her and be like, stop doing that or, you know, stop saying that. But there are definitely in my parents and especially my ma, some like, like long conditioned prejudices. Like my mm. parents are like racist, say mm. racist things all the time and I have to check it. And like, realistically, do I think that my parents are, um, okay, Elvis, that's my dog. Oh, I heard uh, him a little, his little tap to, dancing. Yes. Um, <laughs> trying to get my attention and wanting to be fed 45 minutes early. So no, um, but anyway, back so to your racist mom you here. <laughs> jokes. Any sounds you hear will be Elvis. Um, yeah. so, and so, yeah, I, I think that like, that is the generational, cultural, mm. those those issues. And I'm like, do I shrug it off? Of course not. Like, yeah. but at the same time, I I just I also have Hadley's frustration. Like, how do you even deliver the resources to like how do I even have the language to talk in Cantonese to my ma about like white privilege right, and right. white supremacist structures shaping right. other people of color. Right. 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 Yes. Like my parents are Chinese and they've been discriminated against, but they discriminate as well. And how do I communicate to them that that is all because white supremacy has permeated every culture around the world? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even like I don't even know how to say the first two words of that in Cantonese. <laughs> totally. Totally. <laughs> right. So yeah. they're like, you know, to go back to Hadley, like you know, I think we're just sharing here our experiences and maybe finding comfort in have like solidarity that all of us have been through this. Um, I also think that there is, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was just thinking about that. Like it's been like a really fucking weirdo fucked up year, 15 months. Um, I also don't think that we have to take on all of our family members and friends and try to teach them the right way to live. Like it's a lot right now. Like I feel like you can give that shit a beat. Like, you know, take care of yourself. Like process the fact that, yeah, you like your family's saying some weird shit and your friends have like shown you their true colors or whatever. Like I think you can take that time to just be like, okay, breathe. Okay, so this is what's happening over here and over here. And then kind of like piece by piece, figure out who you can tackle first. Like who's the most important person that you need them to see the truth. Then funnel those links or funnel those articles to them. But it's almost overwhelming to be like, all these people are fucking jerk faces. Like how the fuck am I going to figure this out? It almost feels on top of an overwhelming year 
to be overwhelmed with the fact that you need to fix a whole bunch of people. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like, while I think, I don't think you should ever keep your mouth shut, like, call that shit out when you see it. But in terms of like trying to change someone's whole entire perspective, that's going to take a lot of time. So I think you have to like kind of prioritize like how you feel about things. And then next stage is like, okay, who do I need to concentrate on? Uh, You know what I mean? Instead of just dealing and healing everybody in your life. Yeah. So essentially what you're saying is like self-care. First. Yeah. And I I think that's really important because if you're going to, as you said, of course, challenge it when it's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. That is the job that we're all counting on each other to do. But when we do that, it takes something out of it. Recognize, yeah, recognizing that it takes something out of you. So the self-care part is super important. Like then, you know, make sure you, you look after yourself. You, you do the things that you enjoy that are healing. Um, and I, because it's almost like reinforcement and readying for the next fight. Exactly. Right. Cause we're all in, like, we're all going to fight. Like we're all, yep. you know, Sash, you have been super active this year, especially on your platforms. Like you're, you know, I see you, you're constantly calling shit out. Like you're oh, sure. so are you though. What the- ever been. Um, hmm. but, um, you know, there is blowback to that. I'm sure that you get the nasty blowback Mm -hmm. once in a while, right? And how do you deal with that? Well, you, yeah, you, I don't know, indulge in a gummy, you know. (laughs) Totally. Or I just don't deal with it right away. Exactly. Exactly. So Hadley, I think that, you know, most importantly, what we were hoping to convey to you is, yeah, definitely take care of yourself because you're doing, you're fighting the good fight. You are confronting the things. Um, But mostly too, um, Hadley, I think that you're working on yourself, like in, mm. in the, the writing, you know, what Hadley's written to us and, um, they, you know, they said, you know, um, confronting things, recognizing what needs to change that's internal. Like yeah. you're doing the internal yeah. work. And I think that's also where it starts. So, um, I just want to acknowledge that Hadley's doing that. That's actually what we're asking, not we, but we're asking of ourselves, everybody, Mm -hmm. is what Mm -hmm. work are you doing on your own? What are you reading? How how are you thinking about things? Um, Clearly, Hadley is starting to think about things on a wider lens and expanding what she, they um, felt and, and believed. And I think that too, Hadley, you have to tell yourself that is enough. Yeah. Because lots but, and of then, activists are actually encouraging everybody. That's yes. exactly what we should be doing. Yeah. And I think also, too, is just to not not to fear cutting people out of your life, too. So I think there's a lot of, like, I think, I think people are really confused with how they feel about, like, letting go of, like, a lifelong friend. Or, like, yeah, maybe not talking to your aunt or uncle that often because they are uh, not aligned even in the slightest to um, the fight that you're you're fighting against. So it's, like... I think that it's all a process and not not everything has to happen right now. You don't have to cut off and educate everyone at the same mm-hmm. second. So to give yourself time, but then also realize that, yeah, like there are going to be an, like an ending of s- some relationships. And that and and for me, that's being fucking liberating. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm as on board with the cutting off people as you are. Um, It depends. I mean, like if someone, if you are, you know, if you're, listen, if you turn on TV 
and you saw someone you know on January Trump supporters 6th, are done for me. Re- like, Trump supporters are done for me. Sure. I mean, there are different grades of Trump supporters. Like, here's what I'll say. Um, if you turn on the TV on January 6th and you saw someone, like, storming into the Capitol. <laughs> right. Yes. <Yeah>. By <laughs> all means, cut yes. them off, right? Like, yes. that is. But I also think that, and of course, whatever, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, all yes. that, like, fucked up crap. crap. For sure. What I'm saying, though, is that a blanket cutoff of um, certain people, I think I think that negates another part of the conversation, which I think we've been learning more and more, that there are quite, sim- there are quite sinister forces that are brainwashing people. Yes, of course. Or like, you yep. know, if you've watched all those documentaries, like The Social Dilemma and... Recently, I watched a couple of docs on Netflix. One was called um, Coded Bias, which is about how uh, biased facial recognition is and mm, how what effects it has throughout society in ways that you don't even realize. Like, it's not just even police surveillance. It's how we are, like, companies are biased on facial recognition and they gear certain marketing towards certain ways and we don't even know it and then it right. filters down and then it changes our behavior. Mm. And then there was another documentary called The Great Hack, which was about Cambridge Analytica. Oh. And, and Cambridge Analytica as, you know, all, like, uh, you know, I don't need to get fucking all PBS and like, <laughs> um, NPR on this, but people remember Cambridge Analytica, like, was making headlines immediately after the 2016 election when Trump was elected for, yeah. into, like, alleged like interference in the American presidential election and Mm -hmm. the ways in which they did that and the, the, the social media and messaging that they did through like Facebook polling and Facebook targeting, it tells me, or it, it, you know, one of the takeaways is that there are people who have been susceptible, vulnerable and brainwashed. So Mm -hmm. for that, you know, and, in a way, they're victims. Like there is a, you know, and I get what you're saying because I can see. I know you're like, generous. No, I, no, no, you're but, generous. I get what you're, I know what you're saying. But, you know, if this continues, if we don't recognize this, mm-hmm. those nefarious means will be used to brainwash more and more people. So what are we yeah. going to do? Like cut all of them off? Like it's impossible, right? If they can be brainwashed one way, I think that like there is a conversation to be had about like trying to, figure out how to be more responsible with this shit so we don't lose more people. So my point to Hadley is there is space in certain areas for compassion for certain people because the ones who are vulnerable to this kind of brainwashing and brain hacking were hurting themselves. Mm-hmm. No, I, I get it. You're totally right. I mean, we um, I won't say who this person is, but we have someone who's close to our family, who's in our family, um, who was like slightly getting sucked into like anti-vaxxy kind of QAnon-y stuff because their mm-hmm. neighbor was, they love their neighbor, but their neighbor mm-hmm. was QAnon and they just- Did you watch you had, the QAnon doc? Uh, which one? I on watched HBO? some- No, I watched something on 60 Minutes where like this guy was QAnon-y oh and God. like- made yeah. his parents QAnon-y, but then he realized that he realized that it was all fucked up, but then it's too late for his parents and his parents are fucking still QAnon-y. Anyway, um, and so this person who shall remain nameless, um, it was like very hard to see them kind of start to like 
think that way. And it's almost too exhausting to fucking try to get them out of that when they're like fresh fucking blood into that stuff. That's why I'm like, uh, Corey and I were like, we're going to have to cut this. If this person goes any deeper, they they're like cut off for a bit because Mm -hmm. it's exhausting because you give them an article, then they give you some wacko Jacko article back. Like it's, it becomes like, like a, like a circular, a secular bullshit of like article exchanges yeah. and no one's reading what anyone else is fucking giving them. I'm just saying you're right. You should give some grace to people because we need to save these people <laughs> who are uh, brainwashed. So yeah, you're right. But I don't think Hadley needs to save everyone. No, all at once. No. And again, I want to reiterate before people get mad. Certainly we don't need to give grace to racist people who are like charging <laughs> the Capitol on January 6th. No. Yeah, like that is n- n- not what no we're good. saying here. No. Um, so Hadley, good luck. Take care of yourself. And remember, like, it's already good that you're doing the work. Keep doing the work on you. Yeah. Last Ready? question. Yeah. Okay, right. last question. Hi, Sasha and Lainey. My boyfriend and I have been together for almost a year and a half now. He's 29 and I'm 23. I come from a big, loud, blended family with a lot of drama, but also a lot of love and laughter. He's an only child with a drunk, violent, deadbeat dad and was basically raised by a single mother. He's a huge mama's boy, which can sometimes be annoying as his mom is a bit too involved in our lives. I think she likes me but has a hard time letting him go as it's only been the two of them for the longest time. We moved in together about three months ago and he recently brought up the topic of marriage. I love him. He's an amazing man and treats me very well. That said, I have two issues. The first major one is that he's not sure he wants kids. Given how he grew up, I can understand why, but I trust him and I know he'd be an amazing dad because of what he's been through. I want kids. I always knew I wanted kids. And ideally, I'd like to have them between 25 and 30. And I want them fairly close in age so that they can grow up together as I did with my siblings. My second issue is his mother. I'd really, really like her. Sorry. I'd really like her to take a step back in our relationship. She always has to be right because she's older and wiser and she loves to guilt trip us it works best on him, into doing what she wants, especially because he's all she has. She can be controlling at times to the point of giving unsolicited advice on what we should eat, how we should spend our money, how to take care of our apartment, and so on. She really has no boundaries. She even has a key to our apartment. She already had it before I moved in with him. My boyfriend would travel every now and then for work, so it made sense that she had a key before, but she hasn't given it back since. And she comes over unannounced and has even walked in on us having couple se- – oh, my God. No, thank you. <laughs> um, has even walked in on us oh. having sex a couple times already. I asked him to ask her to give it back, but yeah. she just won't and pretend she needs them in case of an emergency. I love my boyfriend. I really like the man that he is, and I can feel that he's getting ready to propose soon. But I don't know that I can say yes knowing that he's not 100% sure about kids. If it was the only, if it was only the overbearing mother, I might be able to deal because I feel like at the end of the day, love and fear are motivating her actions, not malice. But when it comes to having children, I don't want to force him into something he doesn't want. That would just not be fair to him or the children. And so where does that leave us in our relationship? We both know how we felt about having kids before moving in, but he's always told me that he doesn't know what might happen, but he knows he doesn't want to lose me. I feel the exact same way, but having children isn't something I can compromise on. I really don't know what I should do. Any advice would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Well, what's her name? Can you give her her name? Didn't give. Didn't give. Go, give me. Uh, okay. Um, let's go with uh, 
Petra. Ugh, I hate when you keep on giving names like that I can't will never remember. Okay, Petra. Duanna. I know you totally are. Um <laughs> it's hard because like Petra kind of just like asks the questions and then answers it herself. <laughs> like she's like, you know, she knows the answers. <laughs> she knows the answer, which is if it's a deal breaker for you to be with someone who is unsure about having a child or children, then I kind of think that like isn't that the deal breaker? And I don't think that you can go under the assumption that he'll like change his mind unless he's said, well, let's continue dating and like, let's see how it goes. And maybe I'll change my mind. Like, then I think you could like extend the expiration date on your relationship. But if he's like, I was traumatized with my father and I do not have the capacity to be a father myself for fear or for whatever, then you have to respect that, which Petra is. But then you also have to... um respect where the relationship is and where it ends, which is that point, which is if he doesn't want kids and you do, then sadly, you have to move on from each other. But while I'm saying this, they're not ready to break up, right? Like I know they're not ready to break up. Petra is not going to break up with him right now over this. So I think her best kind of way of dealing with this is to have this conversation with her boyfriend and tell him not to, like they're not ready to be they're they're no proposing yet no proposing yet no marriage yet i know she has a fucking deadline of like 25 popping out a fucking kid but that might change because they still need to figure out what's going on with their relationship before anyone gets on their fucking knee to propose we can talk about the mother-in-law but i'm kind of like the mother-in-law just needs to give her fucking key back and he needs to tell her give me the key back and then that might solve some of the problems what's your take i think there's a lot going on here Um, there's a fucking lot yeah. Let's start with the mother-in-law. Change okay. the locks. Right. You're not going to give them back. Locks but, are changed. But even Petra said, even Petra said that if it was just the mother-in-law, it does sound, to me, Petra sounds quite uh, gracious about the mother-in-law and understanding, yeah. you know, especially that line where she says that the mother-in-law isn't coming from a place of malice. Yeah. So maybe I should just, like, let's leave it there. Really, this is about the kids issue. Yeah. I kind of disagree with you on your perspective on this. From my understanding, just from Petra's interpretation of her boyfriend's attitude about kids, this is coming from a place of trauma and pain that is unresolved. Yes. Mm. And so to me, this is the perfect scenario. Not perfect. I don't want to say perfect, but this is 100% why people go to couples therapy. Mm -hmm. Like this is... I think that there the fear, if he has fear that he might not be a good father, that, you know, because of his upbringing or whatever, is from his past. I mean, yes, history repeats itself. But also there are many, many times, in fact, probably just as many times where people are more loving parents yeah. because of what Even they Even better parents. Yeah. Right. So I don't think the boyfriend has been able to sort that out yet. And this is why there are professionals. This is why couples Mm -hmm. therapy works to help people figure out um, some tools for communication and to figure out when when they can come to a place of um, togetherness and unifying on certain issues before becoming more serious and deciding Mm -hmm. to spend the rest of their lives together. It's been said, like, couples therapy when things are good is a good thing for totally. a relationship. And this is 
you know, so Petra, I think this is a, a per, like an, a perfect opportunity if you're sensing that he's going to propose soon for you to not stop that, but be like, hey, we're getting more serious. And I, I, I want to like make sure our relationship is as healthy as possible. Let's go to couples therapy because I do think that there are things we have to work out, um, including our vision and uh, our hopes for what our family looks like, what this mm-hmm. marriage looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage that, number one. I totally agree. And, Sorry. And yes, I, you're right. And let's and and not and don't decide on the conclusion before you find out what happens in therapy. If therapy happens and some healing can happen, and he still is like, nah, not for me, then for sure. Then be like, well, our lives are gonna diverge because what we want is different. Go in your separate ways. Right? Yes. But don't call it before you like you you get someone, you get the expert help and and start building to start working on the building blocks of your relationship. Totally. Um, I should have been more clear. I guess I was saying more like do not let him propose to you <laughs> before you figure out what it is yeah. that he actually wants. But yeah, there is trauma. And this is, as you yeah. said, a perfect opportunity to like hash that shit out. Like, I don't even know. Like, maybe it's not about going to couples counseling just yet. Maybe he gets his counseling and then you guys revisit together. Yeah to talk it out because, you know, that that's some traumatizing shit that is majorly personal. Not to say that he hasn't right. talked to you about it or doesn't trust you, but he needs to figure out that decision for himself and not you yeah. sort of like breathing down his neck being like, you good? You good? You ready now? Like yeah. he needs to come to that on his own and he has to come to that like authentically without feeling pressured. Yeah. Um, but yes, if you do get the sense that like proposal is right around the corner, I would really have that discussion be like, we're not ready. We're not there yet. We're not there yet because there's still a lot to figure out. And like, listen, we all have time right now and there's so much online therapy going on that um, if you are in a place of lockdown, then you can access so many uh, resources that way too. And I also think it's not just him who needs the therapy. Petra, girl, let me give it to you straight. Oh, you were going to tell Petra to check herself? Well, listen, Petra is on a schedule. (laughs) Yes. I want to have kids between 25 and 30. I want them to be this far apart. Like, you know, we all have those plans. But if I know anything, even though I'm not a parent, I have observed people in our lives, you and I both, Mm. have, you know, if there's one thing that's unpredictable, it's children and having them and how you'll feel after them and during and before. And like, yeah. This is, if there's one thing in life where there's no guarantee and that it's impossible to schedule, it's this. Because yeah. Petra, you're 23 right now. So let's say that you do leave your boyfriend. You love him right now, but like, because you're on this, I want kids between 25 and 30. So let's say at 20, let's pretend Petra is 23 and a half, you know, yeah. just to be fair, yeah. right? Yeah. So you're going to ditch <laughs> this guy. You're still in love with him. So generously, then you're going to fall in love with another dude in six months. You probably want to be together for at Generous. least six months. Yeah. Generous, right? <laughs> you know, you want to be together for at least six months. If it's the first guy you meet, then like after the first six months, are you going to be like, you don't even know what his attitudes on kids are. Right. What if, what if you meet another perfect dude and the dude's like, yep, I do want kids, but my age range is more like 30 to 35. Right. Right. So then you have another perfect guy who does want kids, but his, like, you know, Petra, you know, I think that that rigidity, like the holding on to your timeline is also a little bit unrealistic. Nobody's saying you need to throw your dreams of being a parent and having two kids out the window. Of course not. But I think that you might have to revisit 
this pressure of this timeline. Because oh, it's again, not going to fucking happen. Well, it might happen, but most likely, like, if you, you can't dictate a yeah. relationship through a schedule. No, nor can you. And, and we're not even talking about your relationship with somebody else, but your relationship with yourself. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, these are these are things that you're holding yourself to that might not be fair to you. Because, or, yeah, yeah. Right. Listen, I thought I was going to definitely have children. That was my plan. So much so that I probably squeezed my ovaries to fucking death and they weren't able to fucking do it because of the, no, but because of the planning, because of the scheduling, because it had to happen, it didn't fucking happen. But then you learn other things and you cope, you cope in different ways and you fucking are totally fine afterwards. But that's what my point being is just like Mm -hmm. the schedule, let go of the fucking schedule a bit. Like, yeah that puts pressure on everybody and it doesn't do anybody good, especially yeah. you, Petra. So oh, I remembered Petra, her name. I would, <laughs> Petra, I would work out why you, you feel somehow that is weighing on you. That's what mm. concerns me, right? Like that's yeah. why I think it would be beneficial for you to talk to somebody about this schedule, this, you know, when you were laying it out 25 to 30 and this is how many, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I worry about that for you. So mm-hmm. I think couples therapy, single, like individual therapy is definitely a way, like a, definitely recommended, um, yeah. and a way to you to work things out. So yeah. hope that was okay, Petra. Maybe it was a little bit tough love, but, um, I thought that was know. actually really gentle. You'll be fine, Petra. Okay. Girl with that. You'll be fine. All right. right. Well, that's it for us this week. Yeah. Keep your questions coming to me at Sasha at LaneyGossip.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Leave comments and reviews. Nice ones, please. Just for Sasha. You can leave the mean ones. They're already already bad ones. I already read some. (laughs) Oh, which one one irked me so badly, but I won't even go there. I won't even go there. Was it about you or me? It was about me. The ones about you, everyone fucking loves you. Everyone. And and listen. Stop. And I'm not going uh, to do this because everyone's been generously and super kind. But yeah, as I said, there was there was one that really fucking pissed me off. And I tried to, as I said, I tried to look her up and I couldn't find her. Um, <laughs> Why do you even do this? Because I have no life. My God, you should. I should start sending you some of the shit I get on the daily. I get some of the shit you get. It's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway thanks all of you for listening even even the ones who are listening and hating hate listening yeah. hate listening yeah, we appreciate we you. appreciate you we'll be back <laughs> soon bye bye botox cosmetic out botulinum toxin a fda approved for over 20 years so talk to your specialist to see if botox cosmetic is right for you for full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. 